0: Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Bravo, macht Tempo, wartet auf Hartheart. Schwank kommt und jetzt ist es er los. Also, Arminia Bielefeld. Penny,
1: 2 2-0! 2-0 für den FC St. Pauli. Diese. Klanke Tor! Nächster Treffer. Es ist heuer Fernandes mit vorne. Na klar ist er mit vorne. Kittel mit der Ecke. Feuerball! Hello and welcome to another edition of the Spider Bundesliga podcast. On today's episode, we'll be discussing all the action from Match Day Seven. There are two real tones of thought for Match Day Seven. One being that defence was at a premium, with a lot of teams holding up the firm far better than they have done throughout this season. And secondly, late goals in four of the games this Match Day, they were deciding goals, whether it was for a win, which a few teams celebrated in the end, or a vital point. We'll talk about that team in group two. Speaking of a person who supported said team, who scored said goal from that match, is a very happy Eva Lotto baller. Eva, good morning to you. It has been an interesting match day. Another one of surprises and afterthoughts. But um, one thing that is clear is that uh, tipping these games is becoming even harder as the uh, match days go on.
0: Yeah definitely I think I mean for at least two of the games where you look at them just on the score sheet and you think okay this is very boring Um, I think just if you look at either team it's for them it's important that the game ended the way we're going to talk about them very later on in this episode Um, but yeah I think we saw teams getting vital points vital wins Maybe surprising, maybe not so surprising. Teams that, yeah, still need to find themselves. Uh, teams that have stopped g- good runs and bad runs, you could say. <laughs> so, yeah, I think uh, there are less goals this match day, but I think it doesn't necessarily mean uh, it was a less interesting one
1: absolutely agree but group 1 has majority of the goals featuring in them and uh even mentioned upsets and a certain host last week did say that if there was a game of danger it would be Eintracht Braunschweig and Nürnberg the danger being for Nürnberg um, against a team that hadn't won this season currently bottom of the table and Nürnberg not travelling particularly well but they were hoping to overturn their fortunes and they got off to the best start when uh, Jens Kastrop opened the scoring 10 minutes into the game. It was a bit of uh, ping-pong football in the box, and Kastrop was there to put the ball into the back of the net. But uh, I don't think Nürnberg were prepared enough for the counter-attacking and transition play of Eintracht Braunschweig. Became a theme in this game, and one player who was almost unplayable was Fabio Kaufmann. He scored on the counter-attack just three minutes later, and Braunschweig were on level terms. But as so often is the case. Braunschweig, not very uh, stable defensively. They were trialling a new defensive three with Brian Baron lead the only one who survived the chop with Natan Di formerly of Arminia Bielefeld, and Filip Benkovic, who's on loan from Udinese. He is a one-time capped Croatian international. They conceded the second goal on 29 minutes when Kwadwo Dua scoring a wonderful goal, and it was 2-1. We mentioned Kaufman before, and Kaufman was outrageously good in this game. And he almost had a second on 44 minutes. His initial shot was saved by Christian Matania, But Anthony Uja was on hand to poke home. And 2-2, the score was at the break. It needed some magic, maybe, to break the deadlock once again. And Emmanuel Farai did that in spades. A spectacular goal from outside the box on 59 minutes. And Braunschweig were in the lead for the first time in the match. They would also extend the lead just moments later. It was Kaufman again. Potential penalty shot in the box when Anthony Uja, I would say he wasn't fouled, went down pretty easily. But whilst everyone was standing like statues, Fabio Kaufman smashed the ball at the back of the net and it was 4-2 for Deleuven. And that's how it would stay. It would be Mikhail Sheila's first win for Braunschweig in the Spider-Bundesliga. And a lot more questions coming upon Nürnberg. Let's discuss, Eva. And we should talk about Nuremberg first, I think, because that's the big story in this game. We're just over two seasons into Robert Klaus's tenure there. Um, I don't want to insinuate anything, but it's hard not to. They were so defensively poor in transition. They really fell into the trap that Braunschweig laid to them. We saw this against Hamburg when Braunschweig were really good in transition. They would sit back and invite teams to try and beat them. And they just really, really struggled in the defensive front. In it, I'm not sure if it comes with playing a defensive pairing that's not played a lot together. Um, but... You know, Hubner and Lawrence really struggled to contain the likes of Kaufman, Farai, and Anthony Uja.
0: Yeah, and then obviously, additionally to that, you had Geis on the six, and he didn't look comfortable at all uh, in this game. I mean, um, especially for the for the third goal, the Farai goal, mm. um, Geis is just running behind Farai, letting him give every second run towards the box getting um, you yeah, getting the attempt and getting the goal in the end um, and I thought yeah especially Fabio Kaufmann put a lot of pressure on Nuremberg um, and I mean I could understand if you have a problem with that in the first half um, which they obviously had I mean Kaufmann was responsible for the second goal as well because of the transition. He went through there and um, he led on, but especially in the second half. I mean, the first half was even the better one by Nürnberg. Although Panchak had the first chance once again, very similar to the Bielefeld game due to Uja, um, they they were the better team, especially um, Temperman who was new in the game or in the in the squad for Nürnberger, who obviously was injured. Or is injured has some sort of elbow injury um, he was he was good in the game he was one of the most liveliest together with uh, Mela Daly um, but the rest of the team just didn't really continue to play on in the second half it was then for the majority of the second half they just didn't offer anything going forward and I think that for them, that game against Bielefeld on Friday, if we already take a look forward, is going to be a massive one. Um, I don't think the fans at home will be very pleased. Um, and I think they they showed in this game, it doesn't even matter if they take the lead twice. Um, it it does not necessarily mean they're going to keep holding on to that. And especially, I mean, we know, we've been talking about that, that Braunschweig, It's not that they're not creating chances, but they, as of now, they didn't have the the confidence in scoring. I mean, they scored more goals in this game than they scored the game, I think, the six games before that. Um, And it it has a lot to do with Fabio Kaufmann, who finally, he was new on the pitch and he was really, really lively. He... Never stop going forward. And I really liked him in this game. Uh, I would agree. I mean, that I'm not even sure U- Uja is demanding a penalty because it's very obvious to me. He just is stuck in the grass and mm. then takes a dive. And I'm not even sure he really demands one. But nevertheless, I mean, uh, what Nürnberg does afterwards, just can't do that. And um yeah. As you mentioned, the Nuremberg defense, especially with Lawrence, he didn't look comfortable at all um, in that position. And yeah, I mean, I should really listen to my own advice because I said, well, this could be a game Nuremberg loses. And then I said to a friend of mine who I worked with on Friday, he, she was going through her kick tip and she was like, ah, newbeck has got to win this. I was like, I. Is set out settled on a draw because I was like, okay, it's still very flattering for Nürnberg if this happens, but yeah, didn't listen to myself, should have. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, huge, huge result for Braunschweig. and you really have to say it, it's a deserved when they finally they kind of really gave themselves something back for all the work they put in, um, as you mentioned defensively. Still not sure about that. I mean, the first two goals, uh, or the two Nuremberg goals, are mainly because Dimidina places places the Nuremberg players onside. So, so, yeah, especially the Dua goal, it's way too easy, but because that doesn't stand right, he doesn't look up, and he's constantly putting Dua onside. So that was not really clever. Um, But, yeah, most importantly, I think it was a huge result before getting into the Derby on Saturday. Um, It just gives them self-confidence. It's not going to be easy, but I think we're going to talk about Hanover later. I don't think it's going to be just, if you look at the table positions of both teams, it's not going to be that clear-cut game you might imagine.
1: Yeah, and derby games retrospective to where they are on the table it does not matter. It really doesn't. It's just a different it's just a different build and um it yeah, we have it here in in Australia with 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 the AFL with footy uh here in my hometown Adelaide when Port and Adelaide, well the Power and the Crows go head to head does not even matter where they are on the table because it's just a different game completely different game and when you've got a game as big as that in the region and two sides that really dislike each other um you better believe that the table position doesn't mean really much in those kinds of games um but yeah even pretty much covered everything regarding the brown fight performance really impressive um and that's kind of their blueprint for the season going ahead. That's the way they'll, they, they've they tried to play most of the season. It's not really about possession. It's about um, it's when you win the ball. It's 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 those quick transitions, getting out on the break, catching teams that play an aggressively high line and punishing them. And as we've seen throughout the majority of the season, they haven't been able to do that. But on this occasion, they did. And uh, as Eva mentioned uh, four goals they scored in this game. They'd only scored three prior to match day seven. So big result for them. And, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's move on to the Voit arena. This was the other Friday night game. Heidenheim taking on Fortuna Dusseldorf. Heidenheim, of course, rescuing a point at the end in Darmstadt. There's a theme there. Um, and the goal scorer was Tim Kleindienst. We'll get to him in a moment. Whereas Dusseldorf, they uh, destroyed Regensburg the week before, and they're hoping to build upon that. So, what happened? Well, Heidenheim took the lead on 22 minutes. Adrian Beck, who, let's be honest, has been an incredible find for Heidenheim and Frank Schmidt from Ulm. Uh, brilliant goal again. He's got two for the season. Then this was how they found their goals: set pieces and crosses. Um, that's how they would beat Fortuna Dusseldorf. What a shock! Um, but um. Dusseldorf had their chances. David Kovnavsky, very good in this game. Should have had more than the one goal that he would score in 59 minutes. He's got four goals this season. He is their top scorer. Uh, One thing they did very well in this game was their counter-pressing. Caused Heidenheim a lot of grief in possession. Um, They almost made a note that when Maloney got the ball in particular, they would be a bit more intense on him and he had a few giveaways that led to opportunities. But... um, We talked about crosses and, uh, well, they couldn't defend them when it mattered most because much like what happened last week when Tim Kleindienst headed home to equalize against Darmstadt in the 85th minute, Tim Kleindienst would head home in the 87th minute, the difference being it would be three points, not one. Heidenheim remain in the top three. Dusseldorf, uh, it's been a bit of a yo-yo type start for them this season, but, uh, interesting game and probably not one where the scoreboard is representative of the total play it definitely seemed like Dusseldorf had the better chances in this game but as we talk about week in week out it's how you take those chances and in this one Heidenheim when it mattered most put the ball in the back of the net
0: yeah I would also add that especially in the first half that the attempts Dissendorf had were too harmless or not too spot on uh in the end um they they had their chances but the thing is especially in midfield Dissendorf lost possession too easily I mean Heidenheim, we know that that especially in pressing they're a very good team uh they run a lot they're I think they're the the team with the highest numbers of kilometers so far um And then you could see that from time to time, that Dissidoff had problems going after um, Heidenheim. And I mean, obviously, the other thing Düsseldorf had to kind of get into this game was a lot of injuries. Device had to be substituted off very early on. Then it was Ginchek and then Hendricks, although in my opinion, he should have been subbed off way earlier. Mm. Uh, because a free kick hits him on the hat, and it doesn't really look good afterwards, and he plays on for, like, I think 10 minutes, and then he's being subbed off. Um, And you could see this uh, in the second half especially, that from time to time, this this new formation and this formation that wasn't something they have planned obviously you can talk through okay obviously when I so, so get him off the pitch get that guy on this that this is what it means tactically but if it's due to injuries it's always difficult to really yeah get that going um but i really want to talk about that pass by uh, by schepner which finds furenbach before the 2-1 um, it's half across the pitch it's very well timed and then obviously we know uh Führenbach is a very important player for Heidenham as well uh can be very vital and i'm not I'm not quite sure what Shima does I think in 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 the box then it looks very weird what he does with his he switches his feet it looks weird um and then yeah to off is not just not good enough in defending. I mean, especially if you saw Heidenheim in Darmstadt, see that there can always be dangerous through one last good cross or one last good set piece. Um, I thought it was very naive defending by the probably had something to do that device was out. He is one of the best players they have in, uh, and the defense was their most important transfer of the summer. Um, but, yeah, that, they did look comfortable there. And in the end, uh, des- in, in my opinion, still a deserved win for Heidenheim. And especially, um, yeah, Arjen Beck was, was great once again in this game. And uh, I think it's amazing how fast he really, really got himself into the zweite Liga and how fast that worked. Um, that was a bit surprising but one of the, the probably their best transfer of the summer um if you look at it like that close to uh yannick obviously as well
1: yeah i mean i think the important thing is the integration we talk about when you have new signings and how quickly they can acclimate with their teammates and fit the system and have a sound understanding um you know he's 25 and can play at a multitude of positions, whether he can play as an eight, he can play as a 10, he can play out wide. And, um, he's, he's, he's very much a, um, a plug and play kind of guy. And yeah, he's been, he's been an incredible find for them. Shows what, what good recruiting can do, but also good coaching as we talk about quite often in this one. And yeah, I think they, um, they were very good. I think Kevin Muller had a pretty good game as well. um, I mean, they didn't have a whole lot to do because um, Dusseldorf were a bit wasteful when they did have their chances. They had some good chances with Klaus and Kovnatsky. But overall, um, another big misstep for, for Fortuna, who have been, uh, I don't know, don't really know where they are at the moment. They seem to be a bit struggling. But their their next three games are really important. They've got Hansa at home, Hamburg, and then they've got Bielefeld um, after the international break. Um, and they they want to take points against Hansa, a team that they know they can beat Um, and then Hamburg will be a tricky game for them, whereas Heidenheim have got Karlsruhe and Kaiserslautern before the international break and then they've got St Pauli in the top spieler on, uh, on Saturday night, so some interesting games coming up for both sides, but yeah, Heidenheim doing what Heidenheim does, which is that they're very stable at home and a very tricky team to beat. Now, To a team seeking win number one, it's Greta They hosted St. Pauli um, on the weekend. A massive, massive game, and it was a rule letdown the way they started the game, and then they conceded a really really soft goal to Marcel Hartel, who was able to bundle the ball home. Yes, he does score. He's got two goals this year. It's been a a surprise, but um, they did come out of the gates much better in the second half. They scored twice in the opening, uh, opening seven minutes of the of the second half. First goal was a wonderfully hit ball from Brenemy Hugota. It's his third goal of the season. And then uh, some pretty poor defensive play from St. Pauli. So the ball comes in from Simon Asta. Um, and Jackson Irvine, God bless him, tries to do the right thing by clearing the ball, but he cleared the ball into the back of the nets. And uh, Nikolai Vasil, who was playing his first game of the season, coming back from injury, was all but a statue. But there is a theme. The theme is Australia because uh, Timo Schultz sun, uh, subbing on Conor Metcalf and then on 85 minutes, the uh, the new signing from Melbourne City would get on the board his first goal of the season and that is the way the game would end. Not a game of high quality chances, but one of those being taken. And uh, I think there's some interesting points coming out of this game. One, that Furt are now the only team in the Spider-Bundesliga yet to win this season but much like Everton they are not uh in the bottom two um and two that um it's, it's a vital point for St. Pauli because um there've been a few of these games this season where they they just mentally dropped defensively but like against Paderborn they were able to find a way to get a result.
0: <laughs> I think first and foremost, uh, I'm not sure we're gonna see Lea Pacarada take a penalty Ooh. anytime soon. Uh, second time in a row, he missed one. Um, I mean, if we if we talk about the game, first of all, it felt very disappointing in the first half. You you could hear the whistles uh, through the TV. Uh, fans weren't really happy with that, and obviously, it's it's a very unfortunate week in week out they improve in the second half or they improve in a way but they always only have 45 good minutes I think first of all they can't really do this over 90 minutes and then even if they have the if they score in the better half which is already a good thing because we all think back at the at the Kaiserslautern game where they did not manage to do so they can't hold on to that and I mean they could really Zang Pauli was so deeply irritated after after the Hikota goal um I think it's Smith who I don't know what he does in midfield, but loses the ball. And then you have the header by Medic and then the, obviously, own goal by Irvine. And this is what we have seen by Zangpaoli a couple of times this season. Um, As soon as there is one mistake or as soon as the the opponents put some pressure on their defence, they completely lose it. Any sort of formation goes missing. And foot didn't use that wisely, and obviously great great goal by Metcalf um you have to have that confidence coming in just coming in I, I knew you're gonna say that Australian thing because I thought the same one Australian steps up for the other one basically um but yeah I think for for foot the question is where is this road gonna take them? Because apparently Mark Schneider found the right words at halftime. The way they came out of the halftime break was good, was visible, was seen on the score sheet. But they just stopped playing for the last 10 minutes, it seems. And at some stage, they need to pick up points. I mean their upcoming games Magdeburg, Paderborn, Sandhausen they have two home games in a row obviously not in a row because you have the international break between this but at this stage how the fans are reacting it does not really help them um, to play at home at this stage and I mean St. Pauli we know isn't known for being good away this season, similarities to last season. Um, but it was enough to get a point, And I think this is, uh, yeah, something Fit really has to work on. And um, obviously, in the end, deserved, deserved draw. Because, yeah, Fit just... It, it's always, if Kristiansen once again has your most shots on target... I do not know. Uh, obviously it has something to do with um, set pieces and Christiansen then being up front. But also just defending, if you look at the first goal, four in the box four food players are running towards Pacarada, which leaves the room in the back for them for Marcel Hartel. Because if you, with four people, try to, in any sort not let this happen, that the ball is coming towards the goal, you should actually get the ball instead. Gain possession, move out, counter-attack, whatever. But, just four people running toward one player and he still can take the pass. I don't know. <laughs> it's probably not high-quality defending right there. So, yeah, it does It does not look good for Fjord, especially seeing most of the teams around them getting some sort of momentum at the moment um they really really need to pick up not only points but their first win um and yeah at this stage you yeah it's 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 going to be it's going to be difficult to say the least
1: yeah and the biggest thing that they've had an issue with is holding leads in five of the seven games they've played this season they have given up a lead four of those have been game tying goals that have resulted in a draw um one of those four being uh the defeat uh to kaiserslautern so yeah they, they know how to score first or they know how to get a lead they just can't maintain it and yeah the defending on the the first goal was was atrocious the second goal yeah, they could have had that. If they had the time back, they would have definitely liked to have seen some improved defending. Um, but yeah, I think it's a bit diff. It, at least they're picking up points, even though they are four draws and three defeats in the first seven games. Um, they've got some big games coming up as well Magdeburg, Paderborn, and then Sanhelsen uh, after the break. Yeah. Um, and the Magdeburg game, as, as Eva mentioned last week, is a really big game for them, and uh, defeat is, yeah, it's going to make things a little bit tricky. Considering it is very much a six-pointer for Saint Pauli, you know they are they. Tre- I think they're treading water is the best way to kind of describe where they're at at the moment. Their their best is really good, their worst is a long way away, and then their their kind of middle of the road performances, which they've had a few of those this season, are. You know, they're fine. I, I think they're quite similar to... Um, I want to say the Titanic, but... They're like a ship, basically. They are floating quite nicely, but uh, they're not doing anything to progress forward, but they're not sinking to the bottom of the ocean. So, I mean, it's not all doom and gloom for St. Pauli. Um, let's take our first break, In on the other side, we are going to head to the Home Deluxe Arena when Paderborn takes on... Magdeborg. Paderborn were hoping to remain at the top of the table, but to do so, they would have to dispatch Magdeborg, a side that had scored four goals on the previous match day in that rather crazy 4-4 draw. One thing Magdeborg were preaching were victory. They have been desperate to get back into the winner's arena, but it would always be a tough test against a side like Paderborn, who have been very good at home. One player who seems to be unable to get out of the spotlight is Jamie Lawrence. Centre back has been sent off once already this season and uh, he couldn't get out of his own way. He was sent off for a second time this season. Uh, he, He received the first yellow on the 28th minute and then only 12 minutes later he was out. Magdeborg would be down to 10 men and have to produce an incredible defensive performance dominic roman between the goals was outstanding but eventually the resistance would break on 79 minutes when marvin Peringer got his first his first, fourth goal of the campaign that's a furphy um, meaning he's their tops he's just two goals behind felix platter um, and a big win for lucas kwasniak side there were a few interesting notes maximilian ruhr who had featured for majority of the games this season for Hamburg. He joined on loan. Uh, and he started, but surprisingly played as a centre-back. Left centre-back in a back three. He was in for uh, Jasper van der Um uh, But uh, one player who was outstanding in this game was Julian Justván. And uh, it has to be said that Magdeburg going down to ten men really allowed him to be very creative. He was good from set pieces. Um, and in the end, um, Peeringer's goal was enough. But... Uh, I don't know, something about it feels a little bit unfulfilled because they took on a Magdeburg side that have been very poor defensively. And um, even with the 10 men for as long as they had, they really struggled to break down the resistance.
0: Yeah, and especially because um, I think, in a way, Magdeburg was rightly pissed. Um, you had that scene where uh, Muslia nearly scores the 1 0, but before, um, I think Shula is being fouled. Yeah. And in my opinion, that should have been a penalty. I'm not really sure. And then obviously you had the scene afterwards where the refs later on sat, it was offside nevertheless. So they didn't blow the whistle. But um, I think it was once again Schuler who's being fouled there. It was in front of the box, but then it would have been a red card and a free kick. Um, and if you see on the other side then that... Jamie Lawrence is being yeah send off for quite similar mm. tackle it's it's just very unlucky um you can't really see in the first scene that it's offside and actually they they needed the calibrated line to show this to everyone else so something you probably would have not seen right away in the game and then yeah, it's just is it was a very weird thing for Magdeburg here. Um yeah, at at some stage, as you mentioned in the second half, Paderborn got into the game, used that there were one man more on the pitch, but still not really in a way we know them from before. Obviously, um after their goal then Magdeburg was just yeah it was clear they they couldn't really do anything against this anymore. just couldn't really offer much with that but um yeah conte and and um could have scored before Piringa. and then yeah Piringa was just there um on the second attempt and um yeah I'm not really sure about because this game actually reminded me back to last season. Paderborn home games last season where they had games where you thought before okay this is going to be just if you look back at the weeks before this is going to be an easy win for them um, just what they can offer on the pitch what they bring to the pitch what their opponents bring and bring not to the pitch and then the first half was just mainly Magdeburg <laughs> and um, they gave them too much room. Uh, I think, although they didn't get any points out of this, you could see that the 4-4 full full gave them gave them the self-confidence to perform that way. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I understand why Lawrence has to take the tackle here, but obviously very, 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 very unfortunate. Um, and in the end, good result for Paderborn... Um, and I think Magdeburg doesn't need not or it doesn't need to hide behind that performance. Uh, I think they can still take some sort of key elements out of this uh, against Fjord. This is going to be quite an interesting game, I assume. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think Magdeburg is still not really in, in, in the biggest danger to say because i think you can you can see things going in the right direction still
1: and if they can get continued goalkeeping performances like they did from ryman that will go a long way 12 saves in the game and save percentage of 92.3 he was i think that's the best game i've ever seen him play in the side of bundesliga because he had that stint kill where he was not great and there was a reason why they let him leave for magdeburg and yeah he was just brilliant i really loved his you know great positioning he was sharp um and had they somehow eked a draw he would have been a massive reason as to why they did so and um just yeah for them it's just disappointing because despite the fact that they played 50 minutes plus with just the 10 men they defended relatively well um and that's hard to say when when you consider that they gave up 21 shots on goal in the second half so it sounds weird um but they did they they were resolute to the point but eventually the the uh, the damn broken peeringer who um is showcasing that he is good enough but uh yeah he, he Probably playing for the wrong team at the moment but uh but then again he <laughs> probably has a better coach um when it comes to that, so um yeah, big games for both clubs uh actually Paderborn we'll talk about Regensburg later, but that's a game they'll feel they should win on current form um and then they've got uh they've they've got foot before the break and then they've got Darmstadt, which will be a really good Friday night game. Uh, Magdeburg also have Regensburg, but that's after the break in between there. They've got Hansa Rostock. Let's move to Hamburg, the Volkspark Stadion. Hamburger SWR taking on Karlsruhe. Cards say we're in great form. Three wins from their last five. And those were three wins in a row um, against the Hamburg side that have been, well, not too bad, um, but they were hoping to make it two wins in a row. Daniel Hoyer-Fernandes, who we know is very important part to the makeup of this team, had a mega first half, denying Fabian Schleusner on several occasions. And, uh, yeah, they were fortunate not to go a goal behind early on in this game. But, um, yeah, eventually the goal would come, but it would come for Hamburg when uh, Moritz Hayer found Ludovic Rice, and Rice with a wonderful goal from outside of the box, trickling it finessing it nicely into the bottom corner. Marius Gerzbeck tried his best um, impression of uh, some sort of stretch man, but he did not stretch far enough. Um, pretty even second half. Neither team really looked like they were going to get the next goal. And in the end, um, three-point stay in Hamburg, it means that they are now second. Well, they remain second in the table. Um, they are just a point behind... Paderborn, the interesting thing about them this season is that in all of their wins they have not conceded a goal three goals from their first seven games and we constantly are talking about the importance of Vushkovich and and Sean Lau and uh, Daniel hoya Fernandez and 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 you know whether he can beat the 34 game record for clean sheets held by Max Grun of Grütter in that promotion season um which I may have predicted at the start of the season. He's got five in his first seven, so on on current maths, he's uh, he's gonna break. He can break it on match day twenty eight, which will be a pretty momentous occasion for the podcast. But um, yeah, we we talk about them, and surprisingly, if you look at where Hamburg might feel like they're a bit undone is going forward. It's not as if that they created a lot of good chances on the weekend. Only nine goals this season. Um. That is the least amount of goals scored from anyone in the top half of the table. Should we be concerned about their scoring? Because we know they've got the quality going forward. Um, they'll get Conigsdorfer back um, shortly. Um, is there concern? Because defensively, they've been very good. And and this was case once again.
0: I'm not completely sure yet. Because the thing is... Obviously they don't score that many goals, but at this stage it's not necessary um, because as stupid as this sounds, but it's enough if you score one goal more than your opponents. And if all the games end 1-0, they still get three points. Like you don't get more, more points if you score five goals more. Um, obviously could do something in the end goal difference wise. We had this before. But um, I think first and foremost for them, it's important that they have that defensive stability. I do think, for example, you had that you had that chance by Glatze, um In the end, then obviously there could have been a penalty. I thought this is, uh, was a correct VAR decision, although the pictures we saw cannot completely say whether there was a contact or not. But I thought then in the end. If the ref on the pitch, if Tobias Reichel said, okay, I, I thought there was a contact, then he sees the pictures and say, okay, actually not as clear as I thought there would have been one. It's not a penalty. I thought that was um, very correct. I think it was Nebel versus Benesch. Um, and yeah, in this game, obviously, this is where individual class was the key and the individual individual class by Ludovic Reis. It was his first goal, but um, yeah, he could have been he he could have gotten a second goal as well, um, and yeah, I'm actually the Kiel game on Friday night is, mm-hmm. in my opinion, quite interesting because Kiel is known this season for scoring goals when necessary. I mean. The last matchday was an exception, but they don't have to be the better team for ninety minutes. They still managed to score score a goal by Skripsky, for example. So I think actually it's going to be not probably just for for a spectacle or for any kind of um, yeah entertainment, a very good game. But I think just from what both teams can take. Or it can take out of that game. That can be very um, interesting. Because I do not expect like six goals. Okay. In this game. But I think it could be a very very close one. On which. Very very. Weirded, weird guess now. Kiel could actually win it. Even though Hamburg is. That stable at the moment defensively. I've jinxed it now. Hamburg is gonna win five no <laughs> <laughs> but just from what I've seen of Kiel what I've seen from Hamburg I don't think it's completely unrealistic
1: yeah I mean and Kiel have been known to cause Hamburg a little bit of grief um throughout their time here in the spider Bundesliga. who could forget the first time uh where they beat them at the Stadion with uh a Lee J song fresh off the world cup to to get it going um it's a little bit disappointed with Karlsruhe in the second half they only managed the two shots on goal they didn't have a shot for the final 30 minutes of a 1-0 game it just seems really disastrous in a way not trying to oversell it but um yeah just the subs didn't make an impact and they really struggled but credit to hamburg this is what they've done a few times this season in, in close games. They just managed to strangle teams going forward. Um, bit of a weird euphemism, but yeah. But they're really hard to, to break down in, in the final parts of the game. And you could see that Karlsruhe started to run out of ideas a little bit. And, and in the end, um, I don't think there's an argument that Hamburg were probably just a little bit better to get the result. And uh, yeah, Karlsruhe got Heidenheim. On um on the Saturday, that should be an interesting game because Karlsruhe have been pretty good at home, and uh, we've we've seen Heidenheim have struggled away from the Voigt Arena. So, um, yeah, uh, as they continue to, although, co-
0: although here we go, they yes. were they proved us wrong yes. on several occasions this yes. season. So I think it's actually going to be even more interesting. Game.
1: Why why do we even tip this? Why do we even do tipping?
0: I do not know. <laughs> and we always if we if we get give, give them some credit they always prove us wrong in the end anyway so. Yeah, but... it, this is like when you had an exam and you thought you have the right answer. <laughs> and then <laughs> you kind of take it away take across write down a new answer and in the end it would have been the first answer you mm. wrote down which was correct. This is this is the zweite bundesliga if you tip them.
1: Yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard. It's like golf. If you know, that, and, that's, and as someone who plays golf, yeah, it, it's hard. You get frustrated. You get upset. But, you know, you're always left wanting more, put it that way. And uh, I think our final game of Group 2 left us wondering a bit whether... Um, well, it left us wondering, that's for sure. Um, Darmstadt-Armenia-Bielefeld, this game was a Sunday game. And... Um, Darmstadt got out of the box really well. They opened the scoring just eight minutes in. Braden Manu uh, putting the ball between uh, Martin Fraisle. Frizel understandably cursing. Um, I was like, yeah, it wasn't great, to be honest, to get beaten between your legs from there. But, you know, that's the situation. And it seemed as if, um, you know, Darmstadt, good start, but they really didn't do a lot after this game. And I know there are a few people that feel that Darmstadt were the better side, but I'm not entirely in agreement with that. They didn't really threaten the goal too often. They had that one chance late in the first half, which was um, deflected out of play by Husing. And the second half, they were a bit tame. And you know, I don't think Bielefeld were entirely threatening the the you know the apple cart, but. In the final fifteen minutes, they started to ramp it up a little bit and um Robin Haku we've talked about extensively the last two games um the two match days he's been fantastic he was fantastic again in this game he uh, had the first shot, which hit the post in stoppage time um and this has you have to remember Bielefeld were down to ten men because uh, they'd used all five of their substitutions, and Fabian Close had been or well, he copped an injury, which was a great shame in his return. But then Darmstadt completely lost their minds. They were playing a really high line. They were trying to keep Bielefeld in their own half. Um, And then they got exploited. uh, With um, Jarkl playing as a makeshift striker. He shepherds the ball. And Robin Huck with just the one touch. Curling the ball past Marcel Schuin, And that is your game. Bielefeld gets the points. And they continue their impressive run over Darmstadt in recent memory. If my memory serves me correct, it might be six games now without a defeat to Darmstadt. And I know certain Bielefeld fans who are obviously really happy. Um, either you watched this game, I was watching the conference. It was a stressful game, it has to be said. It would be an agreeance that both fans would have to admit that Daniel Schläger was not particularly good in this game as a referee standpoint. But overall, in the game... Uh, when the chance was there, Bielefeld were able to take it in the end.
0: Yeah, and I think, so first of all, circling back to Daniel Schlager, there were three yellow cards in this game. One of them I thought was deserved versus Robin Huck Typical t- tactical foul last minute. Um But first and foremost, I don't understand the yellow card for Sebastian Vassillades. Was, it was quite early in the game and it wasn't a foul. Like, the commentator was just sitting there. This was just a very good tackle. I don't know why there's a yellow card. And also it was his first challenge. Anyway, so yeah, very hard for him then not sticking to the line. And the second yellow card Bielefeld got was against Masayo Okugawa. It was his first yellow card in the Bielefeld dress. And it was not for a foul, but because he took too long as an injured player to get off the pitch. Do not know... Obviously, if you're 1-0 down, you, one of your players is injured, this is the time where you want to play against time. Obviously. Every team does it. You're one... Me- yeah. Not gonna get into that. Obviously, for Bielefeld fans, this was a very, you know, that shit, here we go again meme. It mm. was very similar to the Heidenheim game where he conceded very early. We didn't manage to... We, we nearly managed to score right away. I'm not sure what Brian Lasma does it was a beautiful executed attack with um, Vasiliadis Okagava and then Shun um where the repelled ball is landing in front of Brian Lasma and I have no idea what he does there it should have been the 1-1 then you have the free kick by Ochipka which finds Husing um also Husing he was once again under great criticism I understand he doesn't look good against Manu but he was actually he won the most duels in this game for both teams so 19 duels won um, three interceptions together with Andrade five each clearances so he was important in the back but the thing is I've said this before one situation can really really form your opinion on someone Um and this has been the case for using plenty of times where obviously it's always bad if you make one mistake in the game, which leads to the goal. But I think I do understand why he is still there week in, week out, because besides that, he was good in, in that defense. Um, I really like that in the end, Shanning had the idea of switching Yeko forward because uh, just how, because physically... He's very tall and he can put his body against, for example, Klaus Chisula, which he did very fairly. And then obviously he created the room for Robin Hack, who, I mean, Bielefeld fans think what the hell happened with with him under Shanning, because we saw him having these kinds of chances plenty of times this season. Also last season in the Bundesliga, never took them, never let to a goal, never. So I'm very very happy he's back to that um winning ways it gave him a place in the uh, kicker Elf des tages so yeah the the 11 favorites of last match day mm-hmm. um obviously Freise was there versus Melem but yeah I would agree I don't really I mean the second half the first half was just very bad at some stage from both sides. I mean, you had this last five minutes of the first half where I think even the Armenia Twitter account was like, yeah, I think it's good. We have halftime now. Um, but yeah, in the second half, very disappointing Darmstadt. And especially if you look back at, at the game against Heidenheim, this was the second home game in a row where they conceded a late equalizer not, like, something you probably have to talk about as well. Um, also, uh, Klimovic had a had a good debut in the in Bielefeld Colors. I might wonder whether we're going to see him actually on Friday night, because I don't think we see two in front again with uh, Serra and uh, Lasma. Um, I thought we might see Klaus, but with him being injured don't see that happening he just came back from an injury so not sure probably see Lasma alone or something like that and then you have maybe um behind him Okugawa Hak and and Klimovic, I'm not sure uh, especially Okugawa and Hak you can really see that this sort of more offensive attempt from Shanning really I mean Okugawa was great once again in this game as well uh he was just not completely Fit that's why he they took him off as well. Um, and um, yeah, I thought all in all, um, it's it's a deserved point for Bielefeld. I think five points in, in three games under Channing, it's a huge, huge difference. Um, compared to Forte, where he always conceded the first goal, managed to equalize, for example, versus Sandhausen and Rostock, but then conceded again. So yeah, obviously the the Nuremberg game is going to be massive. Um they're hoping to win there. Um I have good memories at Nuremberg away. <laughs> was the ones we won. Um was very glad because um I left very early in the morning obviously. Once again mm-hmm. kickoff off times are horrible in yeah. the zweite bundesliga. Uh, Especially if you have to... If it's not like just one hour away. Uh, And my father said goodbye to me with the words... "Um, If you do not come home with at least a point... Don't bother to come home at all. (laughs) (laughs) So I like... Very shortly after the game was over... I was like, Dad, can I come home now? Um, And then obviously when we got promoted... We won their 5-1. Yeah, and I think... You can see... Improvements for Darmstadt. Um, you can see that they still have to learn a bit as well. As mentioned, um, I thought. Okay. Um, I thought not everything is going uh, going well after the first. We saw them after scoring a first goal. If you look back at at uh, the game, I think against uh, Rostock, where they. Scored a lot of goals in a short period of time. You were kind of missing this in this game. This, Mm. Yeah, just going forward, looking for the second and the third goal. Um, So yeah, I I thought a draw was deserved here in the end. Um, And I think uh, both coaches agreed with that in the press conference as well.
1: Yeah, it didn't seem like um, Darmstadt really had... Options coming off the bench to really change the way um, the game went when they took off Manu and Teets and, and they, they seemed kind of settled with the one goal advantage. and Yeah, I mean, Seidel hasn't played a lot this season. He's been injured and he's coming back, and they didn't have Willemsen as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, that, they're, they're, their start of the season has been really good. Um, just the last two games, two home games two games that you had relatively you know you had the advantage and then you give up two goals um in the in the last you know essentially five minutes and then in stoppage time um that was really poor i, I thought the timing of that a lot that uh was a ambulance fire fire fireies um yeah that that was uh fitting that we we're talking about this game maybe they're uh, putting out the uh the flame in darmstadt after the uh, the concessions late so yeah, I mean, look, to be honest, 14 points from 21, they're P4. I mean, they're pretty happy with their start of the season. Bielefeld have now five points from their last three games. Um, and interesting stat that Robin Hack has scored in all three of the games they have picked up points. Coincidence, I think not. Let's take our final break, and on the other side, we will discuss the final three games of match day seven. We'll look at who's leading our kick tip and our podcast recommendations. Hanover were hoping to make it four wins in a row, something they hadn't achieved since 2020 under Keenan and Kokac. Their trip to Rostock was a short one, but one filled with the spoils. A 1-0 win in the end at the Osterstadion means that Hanover are starting to find their feet. But has it really been that impressive? Well, we're not really sure, to be honest, because the one goal in this game came from the spot when Maximilian Bayer was fouled by Ryan Malone. A rather clumsy challenge. The correct decision given. And despite the uh, rolls of... Not toilet paper, but... You know, some sort of TIFO thing. It was toilet paper. It probably was toilet paper. was thrown at Bayer. Bayer was cool, calm, and collected. And made sure that the... uh, The Tribune there knew exactly how he felt. um, As he celebrated with the Hanover fans. Uh, It probably should have been 2-0 in the second half. Fabian Kunze had the best chance in the second half. But, um, well, he kind of muffed his lines and that was it but um, it was interesting for both teams you look at Hansa they had three deadline signings of course that happened post our podcast uh, Rick van Drongelen um, Anderson Lukoki, who Eva is rather familiar with I'm sure um, and uh, off the top of my head it was Lee who was with Schalke uh, Dongwon Lee yeah who was with Schalke uh, he had his contract he's alone terminated uh, he joins Hansa as well, but he did not feature in this game, whereas the other two got to start. Um, but um, it seems like they're starting to be a bit more settled Hanover with the back three. Um, and we talk. I harp on about it because, you know, I used to play goalkeeper, just in case no, you're new to the show. Um, sorry to burst... Sorry to inflate my balloon a bit. Um, but... Um, Zila was really good in this game, I felt. Even Kolker as well, that that save on um on on Kunze was it would have hurt a little bit, but um you know, it was a good save. But um yeah, in the end it's a good result for Hanover. They've got the derby coming up as we've mentioned earlier in the podcast. But uh yeah, is is this um, do we think this form is is genuine representation of where Hanover at, or is it more of a lightning in a bottle?
0: first of all I was a bit disappointed by Rostock in this game for the majority of the time especially in the first half very uncommonly passive harmless and then obviously um, actually Hanover got them back in the game um, in some sort of in the second half uh, at some stage Rostock had 15-9 to shots on goal after sixty minutes but couldn't really put that on the score sheet. Uh, Kai Prüger had his fair attempts, uh, but only one of his six shots on target uh, on ta- on goal was on target. Jesus, um, yeah. And Hanover, I mean, in a way, we could put a lot of Hanover games in the past couple of weeks. Mm. Just and and put the same summary within with those games in a box and would be all very similar. They scored the goal when necessary. They managed to hold on to this. uh, Although obviously, as you've mentioned, they shouldn't have, they should have the second one Mm. completely. I completely lost my ability to speak. I'm very sorry. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I would agree that both Kalka and Sela where they were needed, um, I mean, in the end, Rosaka, like 20 shots on goal, uh, should probably have, hmm. have scored at some stage. Um, Malone was really unlucky indeed. I mean, he twists his ankle, I think, and only because he twisted it, it, Jesus, uh, Baia is actually fouled. I'm just giving up like Malone's ankle did there. Um and then Winnie had his own attempt, um, I think he had a header, which was just basically center to mm. Zila in the end. So very unlucky game for him in general. Um, yeah. And then Rostock, you had the feeling at some stage, they were just very frustrated that mm. with all their, all the work they put into the game, they couldn't get anything out of that. Um, yeah. And I mean, it, it's, It is the fourth win in a row for Hanover. And the last time this happened was 12 years ago, Mm. 2010, under no one else than Mirko Slomka. So, not sure how Hanover fans (laughs) look like at this because the last time uh, Mirko Slomka was there um, didn't end very well in Mm. 2019-20. Yeah, so good result for Hanover in the end. Um it wasn't a good game to watch, especially not in the first half. I think we can all agree on that. Um but uh, yeah, there was some some beautiful things, for example that Bayer uh, uh back heel to Nielsen who is just then in a very bad position to actually score from there. But uh look mm-hmm. good. And um yeah, we're gonna see what or how Drongelen and Lukaku will develop there. Um, I think especially Van Dijk might be important just because physically he's uh, always a good addition to your team, um, but also hasn't played that much. I mean, we all his his stay at Union Berlin isn't really one to remember him by. It's you really remember him by his performance at Hamburg. Um, I know Saint like Pauli fans know him from his own goal in the derby, I think. So. <laughs> Yeah, um, in the end, uh, solid win for for Hanover, but also might be very disappointed not getting any any sort of result.
1: Yeah, I mean the good thing for Hanover in their th- in their four wins, they've only conceded once, three clean sheets, and that goal was conceded last week against uh, Greater Um But yeah, they they seem to have stabilised the defence, which was. Uh, problematic in the first few games and um you know they seem to be very comfortable with having Bayer, Nielsen playing as a number 10 and either trisoldi or toika in in that additional number nine role alongside Bayer. um i really like where they get kuhn and, and maroya to get into really dangerous places um as those kind of midfielders those wide midf- midfielders that also double up as wingbacks. And um yeah, they've they've had some really, really good games and um you know Hanover's next few games are, are gonna be interesting. You know, Braunschweig and Sandhausen. you would think they should be able to win. Um and Yeah. Um Yeah, they've got um Hamburg, you know, Hamburg after the break and it's a winnable game. Whereas for, for um for Rostock um, they've got, you know, Dusseldorf away, then Magdeborg and Kiel after the break. So, you know, some interesting games. I think for, for them, it, it'll be integrating the newer players like Van Drongelen and, and lakoki who, who both started and, you know, for, for Van Drongelen, the, inter- the thing for him is, is to get some game time. He's, he's had rotten luck with injury that included his time at Hamburg and yeah, we'll see if, um, he can get the job done. Now let's move on. To our final two games, there were no goals in either fixture. Um, we'll start with Zanhausen and Kaiserslautern. Um, important result for Zanhausen it's their first clean sheet since match day three when they beat Fortuna Dusseldorf a goal to nil. Uh, for Kaiserslautern, they'll be happy with the clean sheet. Andy Luter was once again good between the sticks. Um, but they brought a crowd with them um, out of the eleven thousand that made the journey, that uh, made the trip to the BWT Stadium and Hardfold. Seven thousand of them. I've also lost the ability to speak. Seven thousand of them uh, were Kaiser fans, really turning it into a, uh, a home game for them. But they couldn't get the job done in the end. Um, either it's fair to say frustration would be the best way to describe this game because Zanhausen certainly had the better chances in the first half they they were able to get Kaiserslautern on the break but in the second half it was kind of the other way around Lauten had the better chances they created more they seemed more likely but in the end um, I think it would be fair to say that a goalless draw was a fair result um, when you consider that neither team created high enough quality chances to, to beat the two goalkeepers
0: yeah, I mean um I would fully really agree with what you said about the two halves, although um probably you you had that one really good chance for Zandhausen in the second half with with Chirov um after in uh, Okurachi corner, which was actually the first corner uh, for Zandhausen in that game they only had two uh, so they couldn't create a lot of danger from from uh, set pieces either what we know they they're quite good at. Um, yeah, I thought First half was decent by Sandhausen um, Ox, who was in, in the in the squad for the first time I think, especially in the lineup um, Had one, that one beautiful chip to pull up. Um Luther was there when needed uh, There was this one scene with Luther versus Kinsombi. I think it's correct There wasn't a penalty at the same time I think if it's being given a penalty right away um, not completely sure whether it's going to be overruled um yeah all in all I thought that Sandhausen looked a bit closer to winning this game, but I think just if you look at their last results, this is what I meant in in the intro um I think they might be might be quite happy in first of all not conceding creating chances um although, especially if you look at the first half, they probably should have won this, but I mean, all in all with with that Kaiserslautern team, especially from the first two first couple of games, I think it's a, it's an okay result um, in the end.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that the positives are defensively that both sides were a lot better. Um, we know Sanhausen are going to be really strong at home um, defensively, but... Um, for Kaiserslaten we we talked about how they'd been a bit leaky defensively and that um, teams were able to put a score on them if they could get in good enough shape. Um so for them it's a it's a really good point. Uh, it keeps them in the in the in the top six uh, at least. But yeah, they look to be honest, they they're still figuring it out. Both sides are really still figuring it out. We know the problems with Zanhausen is an attack, they just can't score goals um consistently and you know they even they were even mixing up the formation and the team a bit and it wasn't you know, they still haven't really found a solution going forward but defensively they were much better. Um so yeah they'll be feeling good about themselves. Both teams uh coming up, Sandhausen at St. Pauli, that'll be a tricky game and then Dar- and then Darmstadt is their next opponent for Kaiserslaut and that is a world feed game. That is the Sunday. So yeah, interesting. Uh, We'll we'll shoot over to Regensborg. They played Kiel. This was also a 0-0. This was not one for the purists at all, or even just... It was just a really poor game in general. Both teams really struggled to create high uh, velocity of quality chances. Uh, It's uh, for Jan Regensborg. It's a good point for them, considering uh, the rotten form they've been in, in in. Recently, um, it's five games though now without a goal. Their last goal came uh, against Armenia Bielefeld, uh, Minos Guros in stoppage time. Since then, they are yet to score another goal. Someone must have put a hex on them. I'm not so sure. Um, but uh, even... I, I feel like Keel are okay with the result purely from the point that they're just accumulating the point it's a clean sheet um which they haven't had many of them this season but for Jan Regensborg to stop the rot a clean sheet after giving up 11 goals in their final three games i mean it's it's an okay result but uh their problems are just there's so many that it doesn't seem like they have a fix for
0: yeah, I think that's correct. At the same time, I think, especially looking that they're playing uh, Paderborn next week, I think it's really important that they didn't concede a goal here. Yeah. Um, although, Stojanovic was really only once tested. Yeah. Um, I think with Kripski at hand. Yeah, I don't really know what to say about this game. I think, as mentioned, similar to, to the Zandhausen game, for the home team, it was important not to concede. Uh, for Kiel, they once Skripsky nearly had his one moment, once again, uh, didn't work this time. Um, especially in the first half danger came mainly through set pieces on both sides, but especially in the second half, the game was just not, not really good to watch. Um, but yeah, I mean, the XG really says a lot, both under one in this game. Um, just uh, when the goalkeeper were needed, they were there, although they weren't needed that much. Mm. Um, as mentioned, I think mainly it's it's a plus for Ringsburg uh, because they stopped some sort of very, very negative trend going down. Um, but at the same time, I don't really know because they didn't create a lot of chances. that weren't really tested as well. So don't know what you can take out of that. Um, definitely going to be a very challenging game against Paderborn on the weekend um so yeah I don't know I think it's it's a very very difficult to pull out to a final summary on this one
1: yeah yeah <laughs> it really is because the positive is that Jan Regensburg keep a clean sheet but they still can't score goals it's extraordinary run of form that they're in uh they did sign uh Dario uh Witzinger from wolfsburger i'd say in austria and they'll be hoping that he can bring some goal uh scoring acumen which they haven't had a lot of they've scored five times this season and the last as we mentioned five games without a goal is is uh is not great but um opportunity comes at a point if they can get a result uh keel yeah they could do anything we don't really know where they're at to be honest um their their, their, their first few games have been a bit up and down three wins three draws and a defeat which is good they've only lost once um 12 goals for 12 goals against zero goal difference 12 points in total so yeah they they, uh they like to keep it nice and even much like jerry seinfeld uh they've got hamburg at home that is also a world feed game uh again check your local listings it is a friday game and yeah that's uh that's the wrap for the review of Match Day 7, we'll look at our kick tip. We have a new leader. Robin Nulvia Nulvia is top with 84 points. Uh Nice work so far after Match Day 7. Um Mira top scored the week with 20 points. We do have a podcast recommendation. Our good friends, uh, the Fell in Love with a Girl podcast, Asank Pali podcast for the English speaking. They are... Just an excellent podcast to listen to, uh, giving you the lowdown of um, everything that is Saint Pauli. You should definitely um, listen to Sean and Samantha, who are always chopping it up every weekend. Um, and they have cats, which is enough. That's already enough for me to like them. Um, but uh, yeah, they do great work. So definitely go check them out if you are interested for an in-depth look at Saint Pauli's matches. That's it for us. We are going to take the time off to enjoy match day eight in the side of bundesliga or hope that their team will actually be competent going forward in the bundesliga we can dream anyway thank you for listening we will be back on wednesday to discuss all the action have a fantastic weekend stay safe enjoy your football and we'll see you next time